0: Welcome to this Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash PRT. This independent learning activity is funded by Janssen Incorporated.
1: Hello, this is Dr. Michael Chu. I am an associate professor at the University of Alberta, as well as a medical oncologist at the Cross Cancer Institute in Edmonton, Alberta. Welcome to this activity on CAR T cell therapy for patients with multiple myeloma. Joining me in this discussion today is Dr. Matthew King, Assistant Clinical Adjunct Professor from McMaster University and Hematologist at Joseph Grant Hospital in Burlington, Ontario, as well as Mr. Eric Hammond, registered nurse and Clinical CAR T coordinator at the Jaravinsky Cancer Center in Hamilton, Ontario. Today, we'd like to cover the topic of the patient journey for CAR T cell therapy as it pertains to multiple myeloma patients. So why consider CAR T-cell therapy? There are two seminal studies that have demonstrated that CAR T-cell therapy are effective and very useful in multiple myeloma patients. The response rates in these patients are extremely high and this is in a patient population is quite heavily pretreated, treated most of which have seen more than five lines of prior therapy. The objective response rate is 74.2% in IdaCell, including a very high proportion of complete responses, as well as 97.9% in cell, including an equally very high proportion of complete responses. The duration of response is actually quite high between both Siltacel and Idacel. The median progression free survival was 8.9 months with Idacell and not reached on cell, though the upcoming data is suggestive that this is probably ordering on three years now at this point. So clearly, the responses to CAR T cell therapy are very high, but the journey to get CAR T cell therapy is very complex. Dr. Kang, is hoping you could comment on how you identify patients who might benefit from CAR T cell therapy and how you initiate the referral process.
2: So patient selection is a very important first step, as we do want to set these patients up for success by establishing realistic expectations. The way we go about choosing is based off patient-related factors as well as disease-related factors. Relevant things include what is a patient's performance status, do they have a robust support network to get them through this intensive therapy? As well as taking a look at what their previous treatment history included, as well as the aggressiveness of progression. For instance, we would not be referring a patient who is bedbound, who has a very aggressive clinical progression, compared to a patient that's quite ambulatory with a slow biochemical relapse.
1: I can agree that an early referral is often better. So in that respect, the lesser amount of chemotherapy they may be exposed to often- and the healthier their immune system may be. Bear in mind, of course, that the starting material for all CAR T cell therapy is the patient's own T cells. So the healthier we can keep them, the better the actual CAR T cell function will be thereafter.
2: That's a great point. So once we have identified a patient who would be a good candidate for CAR T, we would send in a referral package to our tertiary care center who would then initiate their internal
0: process for the patient.
1: Mr. Hammond, can you please walk us through the process?
0: Thank you. When a referral comes through, the first step in the process is reviewing the packages and ensuring that CAR-T-cell is an appropriate therapy for this patient. As you can tell, this can be very complex for the patients and they need a point person to go back and forth and arrange it. So I then reach out to the patient with tentative dates, the first one being the initial consult with the treating physician. And then we arrange a family meeting where a patient is able to come in with whoever is going to be their support system. And then we explain in this setting the whole process of the CAR T-cell therapy to them.
1: Thank you. The one thing I think that not everyone recognizes when they're sending patients in for CAR T-cell therapy is the need for a caregiver support, especially upon discharge. That has actually led to a couple of troubles even on the lymphoma side, where realistically, if someone didn't have a qualified caregiver to be able to watch them 24-7 for the weeks after discharge from hospital, that impacted the ability to infuse the CAR T-cells. So as the next step of the patient journey continues and patients are then brought over for apheresis, time of apheresis and manufacturing can be quite variable. On average, production of CAR T-cells for a multiple myeloma is roughly 28 days, but can vary quite a bit. Now, depending on the aggressiveness of the disease and the span of time that may be required to manufacture, there may be a progression of the disease that sometimes requires what we call bridging therapy. This is a therapy more so to be able to get them from the apheresis to the infusion of the CAR T-cells. This can range from corticosteroids to chemotherapy, as Well, as radiation.
2: I think from our perspective as well, it would be very helpful if there was some degree of predictability or or transparency when it comes to how long it takes from referral to the consult, and then once a candidacy has been established, how long it then takes from that consult appointment to when the cells can be collected, because that will help the referring centers plan bridging therapy.
1: Completely agree, and I think this also demonstrates the importance of a clinical care coordinator like Mr. Hammond.
0: Keeping all three parties very well informed is very critical. So then the next step is preparing the patient to receive the CAR-T, and that is in two steps. The first is lymphodepleting chemotherapy to make room for the CAR-T cell therapy. It is then followed by the treatment itself, where the patient received the CAR-T infusion, just like they would receive any kind of blood product. It is given over a very short period of time, and patient is monitored for a couple of hours. And then depending on the toxicity profile of the product, the patient is either admitted or the therapy can be done in the outpatient setting.
1: In terms of uh, management of CAR T-cell patients after they've received their CAR T-cell treatment, there are some unique side effects that we have to bear in mind. As Mr. Hammond pointed out, these patients require lymphodepleting chemotherapy, the most common of which is cyclophosphamide and fludarabine. As a result, don't forget that these patients can oftentimes go through common chemotherapy side effects, things like nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, as well as febrile neutropenia. The latter point is important because there are two unique side effects to CAR T-cell therapy that we worry about most. The first is cytokine release syndrome, or CRS, and the other is immune-effector cell associated. Neurologic toxicity or ICANS CRS itself occurs in quite a few patients, typically around the time when they become neutropenic. So CRS and febrile neutropenia are often indistinguishable from each other, and really are managed at the same time as the onset of fever develops. First principles, as much of it with febrile neutropenia as fluid resuscitation, ruling out any major infectious complications, and obviously management of it may include the use of a rescue medication called tocilizumab, which is a very unique cytokine blocking antibody. The neurologic toxicity or the ICANS is much more unique and a little bit more difficult because it can be quite variable in its presentation. I always warn patients that this can be as minimal as a headache and to as serious as a full-blown seizure. Now oftentimes, most centers will suggest a prophylaxis of Keppra. In this situation, That we typically institute a 30-day recommendation for prophylactic seizure management. So after the patients have gone through their acute management and the short-term treatment of CAR T cell therapy, that's when we start looking at the transition back to the original center. Dr. Kang, can you speak to what information you may need from the CAR T cell therapy center to ensure patient safety over the long-term?
2: Sure. So CAR T therapy has been around long enough that there is some level of comfort in following these patients long-term. A couple of issues that do come up include prolonged cytopenias and hypogammaglobulinemia. And these are typically managed using supportive transfusions and immunoglobulin replacement when indicated. However, from a referring center perspective, there are three categories where I think there is some degree of clinical equipoise. And these would include things like one, the role of antimicrobial prophylaxis and whether this is needed and for how long. Two, whether there is a need to monitor the ongoing viability and durability of RT through testing methods like flow cytometry. And three, long-term second primary malignancy monitoring, and we wonder as to whether or not there's anything further that should be included. An ideal scenario for us would be to have the CAR-T center provide within their discharge summary commentary on some of these post-infusion issues that can sometimes come up, and uh, I think that would sort of help tie the whole process together from beginning to end.
1: Great. Thanks for that. Mr. Hammond, I wasn't sure if you could add anything more to that or specifically instructions that need to be
0: given. Thank you. I think to empower our patients as they go back to referring center, they do meet with the treating physician for their send-off visit. We also let the patient know that they might need revaccination, that they will require a follow-up appointment with their physician, and we make sure that that is happening shortly after repatriation.
1: Thank you for that, and I think the key message from both yourselves is communication. Sometimes detail is important here, going through, obviously, not just to what occurred, but the subsequent steps thereafter. So in summary, I think that the CRIT cell process is quite similar to that of stem cell transplant, but has some added complexities, as mentioned during this discussion. A couple of unique ones are obviously the CRS and ICANs, but also long-term post-infectious complications can occur. As a result of that, communication is key between all levels of care to ensure a smooth journey for
0: patients. This has been an activity published by Peer Voice.